I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. It took us so long to get this fucking episode. I say us, but I mean me. Yeah. To get this episode written and ready to go. <laughs> I think that's unfair to yourself. <laughs> you have to remember you were a full-time law student while you're doing this. Yeah. And the amount of work that we have is a full-time job. That's true. Yeah. That's true. But it did take a long time. But we're here. <laughs> we have an episode... This is, like, such a short period of time, but so much happens in the span of about a little under a year. Yeah. So we're going to um, talk about it. Last time, I know we ended, or I guess, do you want to welcome them? Oh, yeah. Welcome to the podcast. This is the podcast Rejects, if you didn't know before you clicked on the title. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm Spencer. I'm and- Alaska. Yeah, uh, here we are again with part five. Yes. All right, so last time we finished with her checking herself out of rehab after just 24 hours and then going to shave her head. Um, Right. So, big moments. Mm -hmm. So, a couple days later, I think, uh, Brittany checks herself into another rehab facility willingly this time, but kind of reluctantly. Mm -hmm. Um, Kevin, with the, like, you know, support and help from Lynn... Go straight to the courts, and like right away, and he schedules an emergency custody hearing, um, which is, uh, I, what is, <laughs> I don't understand the thought process. No, me neither. And um, so she, you know, responded, suspecting that she was losing her children in the in a process aided and abetted by her own mother. Yeah. So she checks herself out of rehab and goes straight to Kevin's house, and he says that he didn't. If she didn't complete a full 30 days, then he would make another play for full custody, which is very like, and then he claims that he never used his children as pawns. Keep in mind that she has never shown signs of drug or alcohol addiction. No. And even after, so we'll get to it. Yeah. But uh, this is also when a very iconic moment happens. So she leaves this house um, and they're being swarmed by paparazzi, as is the usual for her life. The assistant who was driving the car gets out of the car and goes to the paparazzi and tells them to just leave her alone. Obviously, she's having a rough night. Yeah. Um, But Daniel, a member of the crew of paparazzi, who was actually interviewed in the Framing Britney um, documentary, he got out of his car and then went up to hers and was like, just stay calm. I just want to ask you a few questions. After he was asked explicitly not to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And so she was pissed, so she got out of the car with her iconic agreement umbrella Mm -hmm. and attacked his window and uh, mirror on his car. Yeah. And then got back in her car, and then they drove off. Obviously, these pictures were everywhere. This guy made me, like, millions of dollars off of these pictures. Mm -hmm. Um, The documentary interviews him talking about this, and he was like, it was a terrible night. I mean, it was a good night because I made a lot of money, but it was a terrible night. And I'm like, you were such a monster. Um, and it's really funny in the documentary because he's like, you know, she never told us to leave her alone. She never said to leave her alone. <laughs> and then the interviewer is like, what about when she said, leave her alone? <laughs> it's like, what about when she explicitly said, uh, leave her alone? Leave her alone. Like, she explicitly asked you to. Yeah. 
And you are a monster. So this was obviously everywhere. I mean, every single move that Britney made was like (laughs) global news for some reason. Um, But she goes back. She goes back to her rehab thing. She does her first full 30 days. So this all happens in the end of February, sort of. So now we're at the end of March. And um, she gets out. She puts this heart, like long heartfelt message on her website, which she basically used as like a personal blog. Mm Mm-hmm. Where she talks about hitting rock bottom, but does say that she was never addicted to drugs or alcohol and did not receive treatment for that at the rehab facility. Yeah. <laughs> she was just struggling mentally, but she never had any signs of that. So it wasn't really the right treatment and forcing someone into treatment is never good, even if they do have addiction problems, because that doesn't work. Yes. Yeah. Um, but it's especially heinous considering the fact that she was just struggling mentally. Yeah. And she did not need a 30-day rehab treatment. No. That's like, that's not the kind of, yeah, help and support that she needed. Right. And have her kids used as like a pawn. Yeah. So I think it's really like important to understand that mindset going forward Mm -hmm. where she already feels betrayed by so many people in her life and feels like her kids are going to be used against her all the time. Yeah. Um, They do reach an initial but pending divorce settlement with a 50-50 custody for kids. Um, Obviously, this is going to evolve as we go forward. So after she gets out of rehab, she, you know, is very resentful of a lot of people in her life. She fires Larry Rudolph pretty publicly and basically publicly mocks him saying like, like my management totally knew what they were doing when they sent me into rehab, (laughs) which like good for her. her. I would be pissed too. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously she felt really resentful towards Lynn because she felt like Lynn had worked with Kevin, which she did. Yeah. Lynn was like tough love. Yeah. Mm -mm. No, they like basically conspired against her. Yes. And she felt that way. She was like, so in June of 2007, um, it kind of reached an all time high and she drove to the set of Zoe 101, which mm-hmm. is where Lynn was because she was staying with Jamie Lynn on set. Right. <laughs> she drove to the set, invited the paparazzi to watch her knock on the trailer door and give her mom, like, this huge letter, like, several pages. Mm-hmm. Which a lot of people at the time thought it was a restraining order, but it was actually just, like, a scathing letter talking about how she had betrayed her and yeah. uh, detailing all her feelings and telling her that she just wanted to be left alone. Yeah. Um... We'll post a picture of it on our Instagram. Yeah. it's That's kind of cool to just be like, here's a letter I wrote in a very public setting, but you're not like yelling at her. You're just yeah. like, here's this thing because yeah. you're a monster. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and like didn't care about her. Like they only forced her into rehab because they were like affecting their bank account. Right. So while like after that or around the same time her father then publicly apologizes to larry rudolph on behalf of britney lord so she's basically thrown under the bus um and she is every single day every yeah every single day and i found this one especially like triggering Mm -hmm. because as somebody that in my family is seen as like emotionally crazy and like really intense Mm -hmm. there i feel like that has been a theme of like people apologizing on behalf of me yes when it's like no i meant what i said yeah and just because you think i'm crazy doesn't mean i'm wrong Absolutely. or that my feelings aren't valid mm-hmm. and i feel like that's how they all treat britney and they still do yep um i feel like that's how a lot of just documentaries and stuff and even the book that i'm reading it's very like oh she's just this crazy silly girl and despite the fact that she's like an adult yeah with like complex feelings and emotions who is trying to tell people and they're like no 
No, no. <laughs> um, she publicly says that she was praying for her father. She said, we have never had a good relationship. It's sad that all the men that have been in my life do not know how to accept a real woman's love. Period. <laughs> she like was right. <laughs> um, so she's now kind of estranged by a lot of the people who were in her life prior to rehab. Her parents right. and her manager... She's basically managing herself, and she hires a different management company, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so following this, she has this, like, disastrous photo shoot for OK, which is, like, a big paparazzi magazine. Right. Tabloid, I guess. Uh, so it, it was just her, I guess, just being rude generally and, like, wiping her greasy hands on a pink gown that was, like, $275. Which to her is probably nothing. So I don't yeah. know why she was like, that's a napkin. She's making like, at this point, around um, $800,000 a month. Yeah. What is 300 bucks to her? No, I was genuinely surprised when you stopped at 275 because I thought you were going to keep going and say 275000 mm-hmm. And I'd be like, okay, I understand. That's a lot of money. But $275 no. to Britney? Apparently her dog that she brought with it poop on a $6,000 gown, which iconic. I mean, it's a dog. He said, eat the rich, I guess. I guess. And shit on him while you're at it. <laughs> Did it on him. Um, yeah, I, you know, she was just frustrated during it. She ended up leaving the interview while she still had on like $15,000 worth of clothing. Again, she could probably write them a check right then like it's not a big deal yeah, like, or just like give it back Spears. later yeah yeah like it's like let her just leave like and then... she's not like stealing from you no <laughs> like you know exactly where it is yeah <laughs> um and the editor who he says could have chosen to hide this erratic display from the world felt it was responsible to actually provide a wake-up call for britney and for the people around her and so she publicly shares all of this which I just wanted to talk about that for a second and how he sides with the woman who is whose bank account depends on her talking yep. shit about Britney Spears. Yep. And he's like, no, she was being responsible. No. No. Nobody in this story is being responsible. Like, no. he gives them a lot more slack than I ever would. Absolutely. Part of that is that, that he's a man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's inherently stupid. Yeah. It's just like he's just not. Like, doesn't understand what it's like to be a woman. Right. Like, the way he just gives her father, like, the most leeway I've ever seen. The most. Despite that she has publicly said that before the conservatorship that she did not like him and they did not have a good relationship. Yeah. Despite, what was it? Even he talked about it in his own book about everybody else in their lives when Jamie had all that money. They were like, it's probably not a good idea for Jamie to be in charge of all that money. It's like, you said that yourself. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. Um, so yeah, this was a mess, but honestly, it doesn't sound that messy to me. She was just kind of being a diva. Yeah. She's going through it. She's going through it. Um, and she shows up to a photo shoot with, honestly, I can imagine not great people. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, especially as people who have both worked in entertainment kind of stuff, like we have both worked with nightmare people who are even worse than that instance of Britney Spears before. Mm -hmm. And haven't, like, you know, gone and, like, shared it with the world. I mean, obviously, these people weren't as famous as Britney Spears, but, like, at the end of the day, it's just, yeah, it's just a money thing. It's, like, you don't, it's not about how someone actually acts, you know, in this kind of setting because there's nightmare people in any entertainment setting you go to. And you just deal with them and you move on. Maybe you gossip with your friends about it. But, like, clearly this woman was not 
like looking at it as like a what can help Britney, what can like you know like hurt her. It was a Britney is famous, so people will have a really um, big interest in like seeing her Mm -hmm. be evil and stuff, so I can make money off of it. Exactly. Like exactly, and it's like you know. Everyone in the world knows all of this, like, public shit that is going down in Britney's life. And she shows up and is not even, like, you know, like, being outwardly rude. Like, she doesn't want to work with their stylist or Mm -hmm. their makeup artist because she brought her own. Yeah. Which is honestly pretty common. It's really standard. Um, they act, he acts like that's a huge deal. It's really not. It's not. <laughs> Most at of all. them have their own teams that yeah. they prefer to work with cuz they're comfortable. These people are going to be touching you a lot. Yeah. It makes sense. It makes total sense. Um, and she's, you know, they even, you know, this woman, Sarah Ivins, who was the editor, mm-hmm. didn't say her name earlier, but she, you know, clarifies that she seems emotionally distraught and under the influence of something. I don't really think that's true. I think she just seemed, you know, like she was going through it and was having a hard time. Yeah, maybe under the influence of stress. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, she is like an extremely anxious person and Mm -hmm. was constantly dealing with this like intensity. And now they're trying to basically construct a comeback. And this was the beginning of that construction. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I just feel like you could have shown a little bit of empathy, but that seems to be lacking in the life of Britney Spears. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's a few people that do, and they get demonized for it. Um, but anyways, so this all comes out, and this woman shares all of this with the world. Of course. And one person who is reading all of it is, of course, Kevin Federline. Who Fucking Kevin. responds to this by filing for 7030 custody. So this woman shared all of this, Mm -hmm. causing Britney to have to go back to court after they had already reached a settlement. Yeah. And it's like, okay, in most situations, when people go through divorces, Mm -hmm. this kind of stuff is not relevant. No. Because they're not famous. No. But in this case, everyone needed to be involved. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was like so much of that case was like, oh, everything is like confidential. Like we can't share it. It's in the court system. Only the judge gets to know whatever. Yeah. Was like fake because everybody was sharing all of this stuff. And in return, the judge was taking into account Sarah Ivins, who's a fucking editor for a trash magazine. Right. Because for some reason, her... Putting her dirty hands on a dress means that she gets to lose custody of her kids. Yeah. I'm like, it has no relevance whatsoever. Absolutely not. And if not. we had looked at this, like, through a non-famous person's lens, mm-hmm. like, this would be absolutely bonkers. I don't know who the judge was, um, but it kind of appalls me a little bit that they, this isn't, like, malpractice. Yeah. Absolutely. And, like, the judge and, like, the um, lawyers for Kevin Federline, the fact that they continue to do this, like, some of the moves that they make are understandable. This is not one of them. This is not one of them. Um, and, honestly, it kind of disgusts me a little bit. Absolutely. I mean, just imagine, like, if it was someone who worked in just some normal office and then they brought in, like, Linda from HR being, like, one time she stole a yogurt. Like, that has nothing to do with anything. Right. Like, like she was mean to me. Yeah. Like, who fucking cares? This is, like, family court. (laughs) Get out. Um, And also, when he files this action to take, you know, 70-30 of her kids, he also files court documents with all of Britney's income, which, despite the fact that it's confidential, it means it enters the public sphere and everybody knows, which is how we know that she was making, like, $800,000 a month. Right. And he says that she should have to pay for his lawyers to take away her kids. Because his spousal support was about to expire by the end of the year. 
I am I'm red hot. Yeah. <laughs> because he said he doesn't have a lot of income. Maybe you shouldn't be raising kids then. You shouldn't be raising kids. Why are you getting custody of these kids if you're like, I don't have any money. She needs to pay for it. Ooh. Bitch. Ooh. <laughs> you want to get fucked up? <laughs> you want to get fucked up? It's pathetic. I hate him. Yeah. I, I was just like, I don't care. Why don't you go out and get a fucking job to pay yeah. your own fucking lawyers? Right. She shouldn't be paying your lawyers. Like, you are the one that's taking this to court. Yeah. You are the one that files every single one of these. Yeah. Brittany never files anything. No. You were the one that's doing it. You have to pay for it. Ooh, my god. Get a job, you terrible fucking rapper. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm like, you, the whole world told you to shut the fuck up about your dumb little rap career. And then you're like, I can't make any money. I don't know. Work in an office, you dumb dumb. I'm like, do something else. I don't know. Do anything else. And then he was getting $20,000 a month in spousal support. (gasps) I know. I was like, for what? He never did anything. (laughs) I'm like, spousal support (sighs) is when they're together and one of them takes off their career to raise kids. And so they can't further their career. So they don't have a way to make their own money. That's why spousal support exists. Yep. So that if they do get divorced, you can provide for someone that has been doing stuff for you. Yep. What has Kevin been doing this whole time? Traveling and trying to make his own rap career. Right. Like, you have not been anywhere near these boys. I was like, if anything, it seems like Nanny should get custody because they were doing most of the work. Exactly. Not Kevin. Not Kevin. Anyways. Ooh, I'm yeah. ready to fight. <laughs> this makes me so angry. Um, and then <laughs> after this, we have, uh, I guess, a very infamous VMA's performance. I don't remember this. I mean, this was 2007, so I was, like, in middle school. Yeah, I was literally nine years old. <laughs> <laughs> so it means nothing to me, but yeah. apparently it was a big deal then. So basically the VMA's... This was supposed to be, like, her big comeback. They're really prepping for a lot of this. They're trying to release these songs that are, like, very, it's Britney, bitch. Like, this is her coming back after, like, taking years off to, you know, raise kids. And there's been all this mess. So the VMAs, like, the producers for the VMAs are really suspicious of whether or not she's going to be able to perform. So her contract is a lot stricter than it was beforehand. Like, how they pay her, which is now staggered rather than getting a lump sum. Right. Um, and, you know, all of these different things that she has to comply with. Uh, so they have five weeks of in intense, rigorous buildup. Yeah. Um, basically, a the management company for Britney has, like, a daily thing that they're trying to do and, like, keep her interested and keep her focused. And obviously, Britney is, like, nailing this performance all the time because she's a professional. Yeah. Um, and then she arrives in Vegas three days before the VMA. So she's staying in the hotel that the VMAs is taking place in. Right. Not much that goes on for the first two days, but the night before, she goes out partying with um, P. Diddy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which I was like, okay, that's pretty fun. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently. That's, seems like a good night. Yeah. She stayed out partying until like four or five in the morning. Again, doesn't really seem like that big of a deal because you're not performing until like 8 p.m. Yeah. So I'm like, whatever. Let her do her thing. Yeah. Uh, but everyone was freaking out by the morning. So when she wakes up after noon... Which I'm sure she wakes up afternoon every single day. Yeah, like that was part of her tour schedule before yeah. because they had like so much like, you know, she had shows performing till really late. She mm-hmm. wouldn't get up until noon. Like that's really normal for like entertainers. Um, everyone's freaking out. And when she wakes up, she seems to be in a bad mood. Um, probably because everyone's freaking out around honestly, her. Honestly, <laughs> she's probably like, I'm done with this. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe she's hungover, whatever. Sometimes you're in a bad mood. Mm-hmm. Um, so she allows nobody in the room, the dressing room with her. 
Except for her assistant, which I want to talk about her assistant for a second. Her assistant's name is Allie, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got two L's. A-L-L-I. That's Allie still. Yeah, that's okay. Allie. Yeah. I was like, never know. Yeah. Um, so her assistant, Allie, is someone who has, like, worked for Britney for a long time, and then she quits, mm. and then comes back to work for Britney, and then ultimately resigns, but is still basically working as her assistant, because her role was more of, a, like, a friend to Britney than, like, an employee, and she felt mm-hmm. guilty about taking money oh. for, like, acting as a friend. Yeah. Um, Allie is also someone who was heavily demonized by the Spears family, because yeah. they saw her as an instigator, and someone who allowed Britney to go out and party. They saw her also as a party girl. Um, Crazy. She was just there trying to support her friend, her adult friend. <laughs> they were like adult, 25. Yeah, choices. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a mess. <laughs> so, whatever. Um, so she doesn't allow anyone except for Allie into the dressing with her, room with her. Um, she's obviously super anxious, and she starts to sort of spiral about possibly failing in, like, fucking up her comeback. Right. This, like, huge, hyped it's comeback. a lot of pressure. She's had a lot of stuff going on in her life. She doesn't have the support system that she used to. It's just a, a lot of filled up. She starts taking tequila shots to calm her nerves, which if I was going to calm my nerves, I'm not sure tequila would be my choice. Yeah. I feel like maybe I would choose like vodka or something, but you know, to each their own. To each their own. Um, Justin Timberlake comes by to wish her luck, which I, have, I think wigged ooh, her out. <laughs> absolutely it would. Yeah. I would have punched him in the face. Um, <laughs> no, it's like, get out of here, Justin. I've <laughs> enough. Like, not everything's about you. Okay. Um, and then Ken Paves, who's a celebrity hairstylist, which they actually met up a few days before this and, you know, hit it off, became, you know, seemed to have be getting along really well. Mm-hmm. He shows up about 90 minutes before the show. But Brittany says she doesn't want him to do her hair. He wants she wants his assistant because she didn't like Ken's attitude. Okay. <laughs> Ken, Ken, yeah, Ken's attitude, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> um, and she tells the bodyguard to like remove them both from the room because obviously the assistant said no. Um, and then Ken threw a fit and w- locked himself in the hotel room with her extensions. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> um, but I'm like, I understand that it's like you're like offended, but also like you're a professional too. Yeah. And now he's like, I have hurt feelings. I'm gonna go sulk in my hotel room and like doesn't oh and god. keeps the extensions. Ugh. So they are freaking out. I mean, they're like, <laughs> while this is happening. Out on the floor where they're trying to prep for this, all of the people who are, like, these producers and, like, the management company, they're all, like, just taking turns trying to, um, like, calm the other ones and being like, no, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. And then somebody comes out and they're like, Brittany just fired Ken Babes. And they're like, oh, shit. Oh, no. I was like, I can't even imagine the intensity in that room. I was like, the chaos of it is so funny to me. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> the like amount of caffeine just like coursing through everyone's mm-hmm. veins that day. <laughs> Those producers are like, shit, shit, shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, because now, you know, the show's coming up and she has no hair. <laughs> They're like, what are we doing? Um, and then Nelly Furtado's hairstylist, who was also there, saves oh, yeah. the day. She steps in. They go down to the hotel salon and open it up to take... Um, like a hair extension from the salon because <laughs> Ken wouldn't give him up. He wouldn't give him. He wouldn't give him back. <laughs> and so they sort of a like comedy of errors, like so chaotic. Yeah. <laughs> and then they finally are like, okay, she has her hair in. 
the hairstylist said she did her best. Yeah. And Brittany's like, all right, leave me alone. I'm going to put on this, like, one piece that they had given her to, you know, someone, you know, had designed it for her to yeah. wear during this. And then seven minutes before she's supposed to go on stage, she comes out not wearing that, but instead wearing a black bra, black shorts, and fishnets. Um, amazing. Uh, yeah, I was like, icon. Yeah, that's a great outfit. Um, she looks incredible. Like, if you look, we're going to post a photo of it on our Instagram, but I think she looks amazing. Yeah. I mean, obviously, she's super fit, too, yeah. but I'm like, that's a fit. Yeah. Like, that's a look. It's a fit, like, no matter what, but she's also, like, yeah, crazy fit, like, has a super toned body, so mm-hmm. she's, like, looks incredible. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. Um, but then they were like, wait, you're not wearing what you need to. And then an assistant comes over and he's like, it's too fucking late. She's got to go out on stage. <laughs> Iconic behavior to come out so late that you just have to go on stage. You imagine her standing there like, with their extensions that aren't the right ones. And I'm like, yes, bitch. <laughs> yes, it's giving like five-year-old that raided mom's closet and I love it. I wish she had some heels that were a little too big. Like, I love it. I love it. I feel like she is ahead of her time. I feel like this is something that like Lil Nas X would do. Like, this is like that kind of like chaos where it just shows up and you're like, what is going on? But Brittany understood the assignment. Like, she's insane. I love her. Um, Not even in an ironic way. I think this is so funny and I think fucking with producers is very funny. It's hilarious. Good for her. Yeah. She goes out, she performs, you know, sometimes she misses beats or marks. They say that she's not performing like her usual self. It seems pretty good to me. Obviously, it's not like at the level of her professionalism, which is like insanely skilled. Right. Whatever, it's fine. But um, the response to this was horrific. Like the way people talked about her. There was like a article which i couldn't find the original one uh, still up but i did find other news articles from the time that quote this one that said lard and clear talking about her because she has a stomach yeah that you can see in the outfit because the 2000s were insane Mm -hmm. like people would be size twos and they'd be like oh my god Mm -hmm. so fat yeah it's like Yikes. The time of low-rise jeans was yeah. tr- truly torture on most women. <laughs> Absolutely it was. Yeah, low-rise jeans and, like, the Abercrombie, like, Hollister, like, chokehold. Yeah. It was just a lot. Yeah. It Ugh. was not good. Um, So that was pretty horrific. And then Britney's management drops her, saying that they, you know, certain things that kept them from doing their job but they wish Britney the best oh my god <laughs> embarrassing I'm like seems like you're just bad at your job honestly sometimes you just gotta learn to roll with the punches like yeah. if you're gonna work with someone that is this famous sometimes you just gotta be like all right what are we doing yeah I'm, that's just like part of the job I'm like management is not about control no it's about like enabling somebody else to do their job yeah it's about like facilitation yes yeah And, like, you got to be on her team. Yeah. And, like, the management never was. No. The management was on everybody else's team. Nobody was, like, working for Britney. I think that's also why people don't like Allie is because she was. Yeah, she was working for Britney. She was like, no matter what Britney wanted, she was like, all right, she doesn't want anyone in here. No one's coming in. Yeah. And she made sure of that. Yeah. And I was like, that is, like, what you need from people who work for you. Yeah. (laughs) And that you have around you. Because it's like, even sometimes you're going to make mistakes and make bad decisions, you need people around you that are going to support you and try and, like, fix it when things go wrong. Right. Roll with the punches. Right. Do your job. Yeah, things happen. You know, you got to pick it up. Mm-hmm. Um, her lawyer also steps down, I guess, from the custody battle. Oh, yeah. Um, whatever. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's, like, I, I'm not even sure about, like, how 
okay that is as far as like stepping down in the middle of all of this but nevertheless yeah the lawyer steps down um so the custody battle is going on behind the scenes during all of this Mm -hmm. um and things get a lot worse when this fired bodyguard testify. So this guy worked as a bodyguard for Brittany for about four months. He was fired after what he claims he did not hear somebody say to like that he needed to pick up a hat that fell on the ground and that's why he was fired. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. So he testifies in the custody battle against Brittany. Now I did get an A in evidence. Yeah. But I'm not sure if this would actually, or should be, actually allowed. <laughs> yeah. I don't, it seems really bad to me because he claims all of this stuff, like, her house is really chaotic, and she did drugs and alcohol and all of this stuff about how much of a terrible parent she was. Right. And they're using this. However, her lawyers never cross-examined him in court which again i'm like that seems to constitute malpractice to me yeah, <laughs> i'm like absolutely that's like the bare like the bare minimum bare so minimum. i'm gonna read a little bit about what he said um uh sorry one second you're fine take your time um so his eyewitness account alleged that Brittany had been suicidal and she'd acted so strange and unpredictable that we didn't ever know what was going to happen. He cited mental problems and drug and alcohol issues as his chief concerns. Her home is no place for her kids to be raised. Yikes. Um, These are some very bold and big claims to be making that just, like, never get cross-examined. Yep. And um, so the first time that he is really cross-examined is on Fox News by an interviewer. Interesting. <laughs> um, and who was actually an ex-criminal defense lawyer. Oh, okay. Well, there <laughs> you go. to work for them. Um, she asked him whether he had actually seen Brittany with drugs. And he replied, I've seen her with alcohol, never with drugs. Oh, my God. She pressed him about the alcohol use. Asking whether it was used in an excessive way or in front of the children. And he replied, well, she, you know, that wasn't the behavior that she did regularly. (laughs) Okay, so what's the problem then, my guy? So what it sounds like to me is you got fired Mm -hmm. from a job where, honestly, I feel like you should have signed an NDA. Right. Um, But nevertheless, how are you ever going to get hired again? Because I would never hire a bodyguard if I knew this. Yeah. That he was going to testify against me in a non-criminal trial. Yeah. Where he was not summoned. No. He just showed up. He just showed up. And then essentially purposefully mislead mm-hmm. the people doing this investigation. Yeah. With claims that are not necessarily true. But he just thought about them, I guess. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm like, you just shot yourself in the foot, my guy. Like, no one's ever going to hire you ever again. I'm like, I hope he never worked again. Because yeah. I honestly think that's, like, despicable. I'm like, it's one thing if it's, like actually like a crime like yeah if he's committing like if you're working for someone that's committing violent crimes yeah like not drugs yeah <laughs> i want that to be clear that i'm not talking about non-violent crimes yes because i don't care about that no but if you're watching someone you know you work for someone and they like murder somebody yeah okay yeah. fine <laughs> yeah an nda wouldn't cover that anyway right 
Uh, but this kind of stuff to purposefully go and do this after you were fired. Yeah. Feels very personal. I feel mm-hmm. like he should have been cross-examined not only on what he said, but his purpose and being there. Absolutely. And why, you know, I'm like, he should have been impeached as a witness. It seems insane to me that they allowed this to happen. Again, yep. seems like malpractice mm-hmm. on the part of her lawyers yeah. to not even cross-examine him at all. Yeah. Um, so, based on this testimony... The judge decides that there's still 50-50 custody, but there's basically new requirements for Brittany. So she has to undergo random drug testing, as well as counseling and parenting classes. Which, she was the only one that was putting herself voluntarily, basically, through parenting classes by Mm -hmm. having her nannies teach her how to take care of children. Mm -hmm. While Kevin was, what, gallivanting around the world? Pretending that he wasn't the clown that he was? Lord. (sighs) Um, so keep in mind while all this is happening, she is being followed by a minimum of 30 paparazzi a day. God. And the Britney Industrial Complex, as it was called, and it's called in this book, pumped $120 million a year into the U.S. economy. Holy shit. That's how much money she was making for other people. For other people. That's how much money was entering into the economy. From being spent on all of these pictures and all this news. I mean, that's insane. It's a whole industry. Like, like even outside of paparazzi in general. Like, that on its own could have sustained, like, all of those freaking people. I know. Just taking pictures of one fucking person. Doing, most of the time, nothing. Nothing. (laughs) Just trying to live her goddamn life. Leave her alone. Jesus Christ. Lord. Um, Okay, so we're still in 2007. Mm-hmm. Um, by the end of September, things get even worse because the paparazzi capture two minor driving offenses. So the first is her trying to park her car and she hits another car like that's parked. And it shows her walking away, um, which is constituted as like a hit and run in California. Right. Um, there's no other information about that, but I'm like, I wonder if she went back. We don't know. Yeah. Because all they did was take pictures of her walking away. Right. So whatever. Uh, the other was her driving with an expired license. Mm-hmm. Um, so after this comes out, Ke- Kevin once again pr- requests a private court session. And the judge orders her to hand over her kids to him, and she loses 50-50 custody. So now having 70-30 custody. But her visits have to be supervised because of the stuff, you know, because of these, like, minor offenses. I can't even imagine having, like, Dozens of people constantly, like, at arm's length from you, just, like, following you around every day, and you're just trying to live your goddamn life. Like, just, like, I'm sure at this point she's just trying to take it, like, one day at a time and just survive, and then, like, be blamed because, you know, you let your license expire. Mm -hmm. I'm like, it's it's just an administrative thing. That could be fixed if someone would just, like, leave her alone. I don't know. It's just, like, give her her fucking space so she can do what she needs to do. It's, like, I can't even imagine being harangued like that. And then being blamed because she's stressed by all this haranguing. Right. You know, it's, like... And then adding on to it a judge who is taking into consideration stuff that he really shouldn't be. He shouldn't be. Because I just don't think any of this stuff should have been taken into consideration. None of the stuff that is in tabloids should be taken into consideration in a private custody battle no absolutely not and you lose all of basically all of your custody um of your kids because of one issue Mm -hmm. oh my god i'm like it's uh, just so frustrating 
So we're going to rewind a little bit, and we're going to talk about Sam Lutfi, mm-hmm. who is a huge part of the story. <laughs> so this goes back before the VMAs. Um, even before then, I think it was in, you know, March or April. So it's even before the summer. Um, one of her assistants who at this, you know, later on she quits, but she's working for Brittany and she gets a call from a man claiming to be a private detective working for Kevin Federline and that he wanted to meet with the assistant to go over like what he found okay. in his investigation of Brittany. So she meets with him at a coffee shop. No idea why. I'm like, I don't know why you would do that. Yeah. And he ends up just asking her a bunch of questions about Brittany. And she's like, I didn't come here to answer questions and leaves the meeting. Yeah. Um, and then during the summer before the VMAs, Lynn receives a call from a man claiming he worked for a jewelry company and he wanted to work with Brittany. Um, so she also met with him. He was there with like two lawyers and Lynn was like creeped out by him basically. Okay. Um, so we, I don't really know how he gets installed in Brittany's inner circle. We just know that from that point to September, he is now basically her manager. Wild. Um, so he's her manager. Nobody really knows who he is. So the media ends up doing most of the digging on him mm-hmm. as far as like who he is. And they find that he has three active restraining orders that have been put out against him. Yikes. Uh, so I'm just going to talk a little bit about these. Um, one was from a couple years before this. Um, he was like a neighbor of his. And he filed this action after Lutfi would like pound on his doors and make late night phone calls. Um, in his complaint, he said that Lutfi was accused of saying, uh, your mother is a fucking hag. You will regret the day you ever met me. Oh. <laughs> um, he also clarifies the author of this book. He says, your mother. And then he puts in, you know, like little brackets. She was 71 is a fucking hag, which I was like, not relevant. Not relevant. And like, if anything, that kind of proves his argument. Yeah, I was like, okay, aren't all 70-year-old women hags? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, in like the magical sense. Yeah. Like you're like old hag. Yeah. Like if you've watched uh, The Night Before Christmas or whatever, that terrible dis or not Disney movie, uh, Netflix movie. Yes. <laughs> or one of- or no, she's old crone. <laughs> old crone. Right. Old crone. <laughs> I'm like, yes. Same kind of vibe. But I was like, it's not relevant that she's 71. Um, if saying. you haven't watched that movie, it's um, so bad it's good. Uh, no, actually, no. No. That, that was- one is just the bad one. Yeah. That's right. Some of them are so bad they're good. I would say The Christmas Switch 2. The first one is bad. The Princess Switch. Princess Switch. Yeah. Too. We watched a lot of Vanessa Han- Ann Hudgen movies back to back. She's it was not a, a good actress. She's terrible. Um, Just awful. But the second one is good. Yeah. The first one is terrible. Yeah. First one's bad. <laughs> second one's good. So, you know, you can suffer through the first one to get to the second one. And A Christmas Prince is the best of all. Oh, A Christmas Prince is incredible. Rose McIver, we love you so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're in- Mommy? Sorry. Mommy? <laughs> Mommy? Sorry. <laughs> Um, yeah, those are my favorite Christmas movies. Yeah. Like, ever at this point. (laughs) I love them so much. Um, so that was one of his restraining orders. The next one was against a ex-business acquaintance, um, who accused him of harassing him repeatedly with obscene emails, offensive faxes, which is a hilarious way to... (laughs) (laughs) Just fax someone offensive shit. That's so funny. I was like, what did you fax him? Like, a picture of your dick? Like, I don't understand. A picture of his middle finger? (laughs) He's like, ooh, fuck you. Fuck you. Gotcha, bro. (laughs) 
Um, and apparently out of control telephone hangups, which she numbered between 15 and 30 a day. Jesus, <laughs> that is a lot. lot. <laughs> He's been busy. Um, and then the most recent was when he was, uh, I, I guess against, oh, an ex-roommate who he had met on MySpace. Um, Classic. Yeah. They've been friends for two years, and then Daniel, who's the roommate, said that Sam just randomly turned on him and then expressed hatred for his mother and his sister. He would, like, send emails wishing them dead. Um, And, obviously, then he was given a restraining order against Sam. Cool. So this is the man that came out of nowhere. Yeah. And it's now been instilled. I have mixed feelings about Sam Lutfi. Yeah. Um... We'll get into it. As we see going forward, but I just, I feel like it's important to have all the facts. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So he's her manager, obviously, at this point. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) Brittany is not really working, so there's like a crazy, I don't know. It's just like her life is getting kind of out of control in a weird, almost boring kind of way. Um, So she spends every day, she is always followed by a pack of 30 paparazzi in their individual cars. So anywhere she goes and she would drive around for hours a day, like four or five hours to go nowhere. Yeah. uh, Just to lead them on a chase. She would be going like 80 miles an hour on the highway and then make a sudden U-turn. And then they would all have to do a U-turn. Right. It seems like she was just like fucking with them and having fun. I love that. Good for her. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like she, what else is she doing? And, uh, they like didn't obey any traffic laws. Like if Brittany ran through a yellow light, all 30 cars would go through the red light. Like it was like crazy. Christ. (laughs) Um, so, you know, her days are largely empty. Sam Lutfi moves into her house. Um, one of her, you know, spare bedrooms, her massive mansion, as well as the assistant mentioned early, earlier, Allie, who was no longer, you know, working for her basically. Mm -hmm. Um, so then she basically had this daily routine every single day where she would leave at around one or three to between one or three to go to Starbucks and get a frozen mocha. Love that. Interacting with the paparazzi and then going home. That's basically how our day started. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is the ideal. Yeah. And then she would leave again between three and four to drive down to a gas station, fill up the gas in her car and get a pack of cigarettes. Yeah. Then she would return home and then around midnight the show would begin as they called it and she would just like go out clubbing (laughs) just having a night (laughs) i'm like it just sounds like she's going through it and just doing her best um so um during this time she forms uh kind of a strange relationship with the paparazzi guy adnan galid um he was very like i guess attached to britney he would like fill up the gas in her car you know, do all of these things for her. I think she started to form sort of an attachment to him and befriended him. So at one point she was like going into Quiznos, which he defines as a California sandwich restaurant. Okay. Oh, I forgot to mention this earlier. He also spells jewelry with two L's. The British need to learn how to speak their own goddamn language. Oh, my God. This is ridiculous. Anyway, so she's in a Quiznos. All of the paparazzi follow her into this Quiznos, and she, like, is overwhelmed and anxious and heads to the bathroom and then basically cracks open the bathroom door and asks where Adnan is. And then he comes in, uh, into the bathroom and then leads her to the car, like, through this, like, wave of paparazzi. Um, at one point, she's also, like, swarmed in the middle of the street. And she just runs and gets in his car, and he drives her out of there. So she kind of relies on him. He's, like, very, you know, has, like, sort of a protective streak to her. Mm -hmm. Um, So 
it starts off kind of flirty. It definitely moves forward. Like, you know, gets more serious as we go, but never, you know, super, super serious. He was never really right. in the public eye in the same way that some of her other significant others were. Right. So more intense stuff happens with the courts during this time. Uh, the bodyguard who was mentioned before now submits a complaint under the California Child Abuse and Neglect Act. So the government is now heavily involved in her life with her kids. Um, a court-appointed parenting coach um, what basically submitted a damning report about Brittany because she had missed several appointments with her. Um, I'm going to read a paragraph of what she said. She said in her testimony, she made it clear that Brittany loves her children and the children are bonded. But she then pointed out several areas of concern. She found that the mother's interactions with Sean and Jaden were not child-centered, and she did not fully engage with them. It was also observed that the atmosphere in the house ranged from chaotic to almost somber without any communication at all. On three separate occasions, it was noted Brittany rarely engaged with the children in conversation or play, and she seemed to pay scant regard to the advice of the parenting coach. I don't really know what to make of this. Yeah. Um, a lot, like, she ends it by being like, there is no sign of neglect. Like, you couldn't say that she was abusing or neglecting her children. So she does make that claim. She's like, she's not doing that. Yeah. She's just, like, a chaotic mom, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Like, I'm not sure that it's really that damning that she doesn't really want to take advice from this woman who has been forced into her life. Yeah. It's like judgmental of everything she does because that's just what she paid to do. That's her job. Yeah. I don't really think this woman did anything wrong. Obviously she's just doing her job. job. Yeah. Um, and didn't say anything that crazy, but obviously this was used against Brittany as everything would be at this point, you know? Right. So she was now, basically she wasn't taking her drug tests and so they upped it to twice a week mm-hmm. and i guess privately she was like really upset about the drug test because she was like it's none of their business and then finally she was like fine show them and then t- you know she took drug tests for weeks and weeks and weeks and they all came back negative of course because she probably wasn't using drugs no um you know and even if she was it's not really that big of a deal um so at this point in the case, Brittany's lawyers realize that the court is probably going to bring in a monitor, which I couldn't tell from the, I, I'm, I think it must be some sort of like camera surveillance. Mm-hmm. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. Um, that, but basically they expected the judge to bring that in. Mm. So in order to control who the monitor was, so it wasn't a judge like appointed so they had a little bit more control they basically just brought it in themselves okay um you know brought it in as their own sort of legal source i'm just gonna read this paragraph to make it you know a little more clear it may have been court ordered but it was felt that Brittany needed this monitor there to protect her from potential vexatious allegations it provides the judge with eyes and grants protection to Brittany. she was not just under suspicion of being bad mother a bad mother but a neglectful one and that went beyond the pale and many people's eyes the monitor was essential to bring a clear and true picture to the whole mess so that's part in um can't even imagine being under that kind of surveillance. Jesus. At least this kind of stuff never surfaced. It was only supposed to be seen by the judge and the lawyers. Mm-hmm. So even Kevin wasn't allowed to see it. Probably, you know, I'm like, okay. Okay. At least there's that. Yeah. 
Um, and then Christmas comes and goes. Brittany is really sad because obviously she's still on the outs with her mom. Of course. Um, and so she finally reunites with her mother. But her mother <laughs> hates Sam Lumpy. She thinks that he's a creep and that he's, like, using her daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, but Sam was, like, the one who told Brittany to reconcile with Lynn. Mm-hmm. And he's the one that, like, orchestrated Lynn coming back to L.A. And several times they had, like, m- close to falling outs after that. Like, Lynn would come over and Brittany would be upset and not want to let her in. And then the only reason she would let her in is because Sam would, like, convince her to. Wow. Um so it, it's kind of weird, their relationship. Again, because I'm like, my, I have mixed feelings about Sam Lutfi, but it does seem like he, you know, whatever his intentions were, was making decisions that were, like, the best for Brittany. Mm-hmm. Like, he was convincing her to actually go to these, like, court meetings and stuff that she was just skipping and not wanting to go to. And he would be like, I'll just go with you and kind of adding a structure to her life and being someone she could depend on all the time. So obviously he moved in. Right. Um... And I, I wanted to read this, like, legal source where they were talking about Sam Lutfi um, and how Lynn reacted to him. So Lutfi was the peacemaker and cheered on behalf of Lynn, so her suspicions of him are without foundation. One text message from Lynn was enough to get Brittany yelling, calling her mom all sorts of names. But it was always Sam who calmed her down and made her see reason. Without a doubt, he was Lynn's chief diplomat. <laughs> I just think that's really interesting yeah. that she had this feeling about control. And I think it's really relevant to realize that she had been the one in control of Britney's life mm-hmm. up until they're falling out, basically. Yeah. So to fear this other person that Britney had willingly let in, who was also working to, like, build Britney's relationships. Like, this isn't the type of control where, like... Lynn was doing the kind of control that we see in, like, abusive relationships where they kind of try to isolate you from people. So you're being disconnected from outside support groups. Mm -hmm. This is less common with, like, family abuse, but it can happen. And I think Lynn was kind of doing that by trying to reduce who Brittany spent time with and, Mm -hmm. you know, who her friends were. Um, And that's not the only sign of abuse. Someone could be abusive and not do that. But I do think it's important to notice that Sam Luffy was doing the opposite and encouraging her to, like, reconcile with people who she was clearly struggling having a difficult relationship with. Right. Um, And the fact that Lynn, I don't know, she just seems very, like, manipulative and abusive to me. I think the fact that she has written two separate books talking about this and they're falling out is just like, oh... Brittany was just having a hard time, you know, never really identifying her own faults. It's very um, narcissistic mother yeah. archetype. Absolutely. Um, I just have trouble as we go through a story really trusting Lynn in any real way. Absolutely. Um, it seems like she was just jealous of Sam's relationship with Brittany. And mm-hmm. she saw it no matter what Sam was actually doing as him being able to control Brittany, because that's how she views relationships. Um, And she probably was really just angry that Sam was able to connect with like Brittany at all and get her to do anything because like she wanted to be that person to do it. Like she wanted to have the control of Mm -hmm. Brittany. So no matter what, even yeah, as Sam was basically trying to be Lynn's like biggest activate advocate, she couldn't see that because she just wanted to have the control. Like, right. that's what she wanted. Exactly. And I think it's important, too, that it was, like, to her, relationships were control. And how important that is to recognize as far as, like, Britney's relationships with people is 
the way that Sam Lutfi has been displayed to the world is as like the ultimate manipulator, mm-hmm. playing the long con, super crazy. And then what we see him do, including like a lot of the people around them that worked for like the courts and were not friends, Sam was always doing things for Brittany. Yeah. And just trying to like offer support in any way he could. It, it seems more like a friendship mm-hmm. and a place where one person is like deeply struggling. Mm-hmm. And I think anyone with mental illnesses knows like when you have friends, sometimes it's like you're in a bad place and you have a friend that's more stable than you. Yeah. And sometimes they just take on that role for a little bit. Yeah. And until you get back on your feet. And I think had uh, some of these things not happened that are about to happen, um, that's kind of what would have happened. Like, Sam would have been that person for right. Brittany to get back on her feet, and they probably would have maintained, you know, friendship. Yeah. And I also would like to say he tweeted basically right after the conservatorship happened, free Bree, free B, mm-hmm. um, which is still pinned at the top of his Twitter Yeah, from, like, 2008. Yeah. So he has been an advocate for Brittany yeah. forever. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he was also probably, like, swallowed up into the kind of, like, almost culture of, like, how people talk about Britney and Britney's life and everything surrounding it. I feel like it became such a norm to make mountains out of molehills of every single little thing that has anything to do with Britney that, like, and everyone has gotten into such, like, black and white thinking that I feel like they could take Sam not being the perfect person and demonizing him for it and being like, okay, well, then obviously anything that he does with Britney is bad because he's a bad person. Like, you know, you can only put one person in a category or another or anything like that. And it's like, people can have, like, shitty things go on in their life and shitty relationships with other people, but that doesn't mean that they're doing a disservice or doing a bad thing with this, like, new relationship, friendship, or whatever that they've got going on now. You know, it's like, not everything is just so black and white, but I feel like that's how everyone talks about Britney her entire life and Mm -hmm. anything that goes on, that it's just like, you know, that's probably a huge reason that he was so demonized, you know? Yeah, exactly. So during this time... um, Sort of as Jan- you know, January is beginning, uh, an ex-assistant, um, or not an ex-assistant, Allie basically, reaches out to Jamie, who's now sober after going through rehab treatment in 2004, saying that if Brittany loses her kids or, you know, something goes south, that Brittany's going to kill herself, that they need to be concerned in, like, a real way. Yeah. Um, she's also having more legal trouble because she ran over a cop's foot when he was, like, up against the car because she was trying to get away from paparazzi who were also swarming it. Yeah. Kind of just an accident. Um, But, you know, I'm sure it's adding to the pressure. So January 3rd, 2008, um, is kind of a big day. So that morning, Brittany was forced to go to a deposition with the lawyers for Kevin which I'm sure was embarrassing and difficult. Um, She obviously did not want to do that, but she went. And then after this deposition, she finds out that the court dates for her misdemeanors have been set. Mm -hmm. Um, And then that afternoon, she's spending time with her sons. And basically this culminates in her feeling that when Kevin takes her kids that evening, she's never going to see them again. Mm. And this kind of builds into this panic and anxiety. So when the people show up to take the voice back to Kevin, which is like bodyguards, basically 
she panics, uh, especially after a bodyguard takes Sean and, like, puts him in the car. Um, so she locks herself in her bathroom with Jaden. Mm-hmm. Um, the monitor that's watching all the time calls the police. So by 8.30, the police have arrived. Sam Lutfi's in the house, is trying to calm Brittany, like, through the door. And then he was also calling Lynn, who was in Kentwood at the time, you know, just trying to figure out what to do. I'm sure just doing anything he could to sort of like fizzle out the situation that seemed to be really bad. Um, People around Lynn at the time told her that Sam was overreacting, which I find really weird. I was like, why? Um, There's police at the house. Yeah. I was like, um, this was like national news. Uh, By 10 PM, there were like a ton of cops outside her house, ambulances, and there were two or three helicopters flying over her house. Oh my God. We'll post some pictures of this just so you can see the madness that was outside of her home. Um, eventually, they did convince her to open up the door. Jaden was with her, unharmed, but, you know, confused and right. distressed a little. Yeah. Um, and the next thing they saw was her being taken out of the house on a gurney, like strapped down to a gurney, looking, wow. you know, wide-eyed and dazed. Um, she was taken to a hospital and held under a 5150, which is basically a detention of someone who is like, it's detention of mentally disordered persons for evaluation and treatment. So it's where they allow, you know, cops or any government official to hold someone for their own health or if they're like a danger to other people. Yep. Um, what usually happens, they have 72 hours to hold them. It's a guaranteed 72 hours. However, they within that 72 hours, bring in a psychiatrist and that psychiatrist actually makes the call on how long they have to stay. Yeah. Um, so she talks to a psychiatrist and then is allowed to check her out 24 hours later. So okay. she doesn't stay the full two, 72 hours. Um, her family flies in and Lynn brings in Dr. Phil during this 24 hours. Jesus I Christ. Know. I was like, Dr. Phil. Um, he... We'll have to do a thing talking about Dr. Phil at some point, because he is very problematic. Oh, God. Um, Him and Dr. Oz, they are... <laughs> anyways, we'll get to them later. We'll, we'll do a short series at some point, I think, because that's a whole bag of worms. <laughs> a bag of worms, yeah. <laughs> um, so... He talks to her in the hospital. I will say, even though I don't like him, he never publicly shared what they talked about, and he never treated her. Um, they just had a conversation at the hospital, and then that was it. Mm-hmm. Um, so she gets out. She invites Adnan over, and their kind of their relationship evolves into more of like significant others. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin is also granted immediate sole custody at an emergency hearing. Um, and so within the next like 42 hours, Brittany decides to impulsively drive to Mexico with Adnan to, you know, vacation and get away from it all. Mm-hmm. So she drives down to Mexico. Um, and they were there for a few days when finally like paparazzi found them and started taking photos of them. And it's kind of unclear of whether Adnan tipped them off or not. Mm. Um, though the pictures that came out did come from his agency. Ooh. Yeah, I think this kind of caused a fight between them, obviously. Obviously. Um, Again, the author of this book makes some bold claims about her, saying that's rich, considering how she's called the paparazzi before. (laughs) Again. Again, she can do whatever she wants. If she wants to invite them anywhere, she's allowed to. And then when she doesn't want them there, she's allowed to not want them there. I was like, I hate this author. I hate him. Oh, my God. Steve Dennis... We're coming for you. Hands on sight. Hands on sight. 
What the fuck? Ugh. Um... So they come back to L.A. to face the music. Um, So I'm not going to go into too much of what happens in L.A. because this is basically going to culminate in Jamie. He is now talking to lawyers to try and make a move for conservatorship. Right. Um, I will say before that happens, she does have a like pregnancy scare. So basically she goes to one of the court hearings, doesn't get to make it in because there's so many paparazzi. So she leaves. It's her, Sam Lutfi and Adnan. So... They go to a grocery store and she gets a pregnancy test. Which again, I'm like, you are so famous. Send someone else to do it. Send anybody else. When you have so much paparazzi following you, but she's convinced she's pregnant. She's not. Um, I think uh, this was like uh, people seem to speculate that this was because she had just like lost her other children. Right. Uh, I you know I'm not even gonna speculate on it because I can't even imagine going yeah. through this kind of intensity yeah. and then having it so public. Um, but we will pick back up next week with the beginning of the conservatorship, and we're just gonna go through the conservatorship step by step and how it's evolved until now. Obviously, there's been a ton of news recently. We know that Jamie first stepped down and then was suspended, and now they're introducing some new laws around it, but it's only for California. So we will talk about conservatorships on a broader scale. You know, it's state law, but it affects everybody. Right. And a lot of other celebrities, too. Um, We are going to have an extra episode this week. Our extra credit episode. Extra credit. That is just going to be legal background of conservatorship. So if you don't know anything about it, I'm assuming most of you don't, because yeah. why would you? Yeah. <laughs> um, we're just going to go into a lot of the legal definitions and sort of how these things happen. Right. Not like in the where, context of Britney Spears, but in their own context. Right, exactly. Like where conservatorships even came from in the mm-hmm. beginning, how they've been reformed, how they hopefully will be reformed in the future. Yes. Um, all of that. Yeah. So we will see you guys then. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye, guys. The Podcast Rejects is a Gamer Frauds Network production. Find us on Instagram at The Podcast Rejects. For early access to all Gamer Frauds Network content and a ton of exclusive perks, join our Patreon at patreon.com slash gamerfrauds.